On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Marillion's Marbles. Hi, welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock groups album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Paul Zotter and Ken Gregory, where we discuss Marillion's masterpiece, Marbles. All right, Joe, you look comfy. You want to um, do the official uh, sure. lead-in? The lead-in. All right, so uh, Marbles, released in 2004, somewhat surprisingly produced by Dave Megan. Um, it was released on Intact Records, which I don't know. I guess it was the distribution deal, probably. Um, same band lineup, Hogarth, Rothery, Travavis, Kelly, and Mosley. And, um, yeah, so Marbles is the 13th studio album from the rock band Merlion, released in 2004, unlike their previous studio album, Anarachnophobia, in 2001, which was financed largely by a pre-order campaign. It was the publicity campaign that the fans financed for the album. Those fans who pre-ordered the album received an exclusive two-CD deluxe campaign edition, with a booklet containing the names of everyone who pre-ordered before a certain date, including yours truly. The public release date of the retail single CD version of the album was May 3rd, 2004, while a plain two-CD version could still be obtained from the band's website. Um, the album did not chart in the UK due to it being packaged with a couple of stickers, which is against chart rules, so despite selling enough for a top 30 position, the album was declared ineligible for the album chart, however. Um, its first signal, You're Gone, reached number 7 in the UK singles chart, thus becoming their first UK top 10 hit since 1987's Incommunicado. The follow-up wow. single, Don't Hurt Yourself, peaked at number 16. Classic Rock ranked Marbles number 11 on their end-of-year list for 2004. It is the first of three albums in three consecutive years that Marillion released on a contract with Castle Communications um, after being dropped by EMI Records following the relative lack of commercial success of Afraid of Sunlight. Oh, that's left over from before. So there you go. Um, wow. There's a lot going on just in that intro, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> there really is. I for the first thing I just want to—I have to say this—it's—it's it's amazing that as little as 13 years ago, there were rules about having stickers on your releases, which would which would or would not allow you to chart. And now, and now we—I don't even sell records now. Everybody just downloads stuff. That's just insane. Well, I heard something like about that too the other day as I was pumping gas, and I was at a place that had the TV above the the gas pumps, and I guess downloads you need one and a half to equal one album sale. So like if, if you go platinum with downloads, it's actually a million and a half. 
not a million. Ah, fascinating. Well, based yeah. on that, based on that, uh, that criteria, I've I've downloaded uh, two albums. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we we've obviously we've spent a lot of time talking about Marillion up to this point, and the previous episode. You know, we had what? What did what did we call it? The uh, salvage dot com or something like that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe, why you said you were surprised, somehow surprised that Dave Megan produced this? What on earth did you mean by that? Well, wait, and I'll get there. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, so. The previous four albums were, you know, arguably not overwhelming, shall we say. And we spent, you know, the better part of, what, a couple hours deciding which songs from those four albums that we would, we would take. And even before that, um, there were certain, you know, Brave and Afraid of Sunlight, while Spectacular albums have, you know certain limitations in them and again i i know you vigorously defended him or at least somewhat vigorously defended dave megan but really everything that dave megan had touched had sort of sonic limitations if you will so given all of that and given the distaste I had for their new business model at the time, because I was a stupid young man and couldn't see the future. And as weird as anarachnophobia was the mere fact that I pre-ordered marbles, I still can't explain it to this day. It makes I've, absolutely I've, no sense to me whatsoever. Cause you adamantly opposed the whole concept of, 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 I was, of like you actually gave me shit for down for pre-ordering anarachnophobia. I did. I was a total and then, and then for enjoying it after it was released. <laughs> so so given all of that, there was nothing in the world, and like I said, I still can't explain why I pre-ordered this album, but there was nothing in the world that could have prepared me or anyone who's paying attention for marbles. Marbles is a full double CD that really doesn't run out of steam until way late in the second disc. It sounds good. The music's phenomenal. It, it, it's, I, don't, I still can't tell you where this came from. Everything about this worked. And there was nothing to suggest that this was going to be. And it's funny as we get into the albums that came after, because while there are certain aspects of what I will call old Marillion here, at the same time, Marvels also points very clearly to where they were going. And I didn't really fully appreciate that until I was listening to the follow-up albums more closely for this. But, you know, when, when I was when I was looking at this, um, you, you know, I, one of the things that amazed me about it is if you look at, at the Marbles songs themselves, 
which it's a cute idea, you know, and it's it's you know, it, again, Steve Hogarth is is exploring, you know, multiple layers of meanings and words, and so he goes from the marbles, meaning, you know, actual little balls of glass that kids play with, to you know, your your brains and and your sanity and all of that business, and it it could be really really gimmicky and goofy. But somehow in the magic that was going on here, even those four little segue things, for me, just resonate. They tell a story. They're not distracting. I, 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 I still, like I said, I don't know how they did this. It, it's stunning to me. And, and, I mean, we've talked, we've previously touched on Invisible Man. And how Invisible Man is sort of like, and a lot of these songs, I think, you can, in a lot of ways, they're sort of, they're the, the master version of something that they had started to do earlier on. And for me, Invisible Man links to Splintering Heart. Yes. Steve Hogarth seems to, seems to it was almost like, you know, Splintering Heart was his, his practice run, if you will. Invisible Man, he finally figured it out. And that's why Invisible Man now takes that sort of spot in the live set where where Steve can channel all of that. Um, you know, Fantastic Place and Genie, you know, maybe a little bit more straightforward. You've got the, the, mega, the mega song in Ocean Cloud, which just takes me places. And then, you know, you do a little bit more different things on the second disc and then you bring it all home with Neverland which just it says you know to use a, a, a trite phrase it's as Merlin a piece as you're going to find and it, just the whole thing flows and really for me the only stinker and it's not even that bad of a song is Drilling Holes oh. so, and I, I should have totaled up you know, I think it is that side of the song, actually. That, that no, I, 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 I have to, um, I have to, I ha I've had drilling holes in my head for 48 hours. And really? The lyrics, there is no there there. Like, there's no content there. There's no mystery. You, you read the lyrics and you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of heard this when I heard the song. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's just one of those days. Yeah. But then I think I was actually having one of those days, and it's like, oh, this day isn't as productive as it was supposed to be. <laughs> and, 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 and I was actually in the mood of the song where like, I didn't have the option to sleep in, but clearly for, for Hogarth, he was, you know, he slept in, and when you do that, there's no morning to be had um and I, I i i it clicked for me just really in the last 48 hours just just uh loving it loving it and <laughs> it just it just doesn't necessarily belong on that album in that spot but but i think there is something very redeeming about drilling holes and and and, well, and, 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 and i don't disagree with you ken because like i said it, it's i don't not like it but it it just, it does kind of throw me off my groove a little bit. 
Um, what made me love it was um, the uh, live version. Uh, yeah. uh, not um, not the live concert we saw. That's pretty rough sound-wise in that particular song. But um, one of the produced ones I was listening to. Not Size Matters, but the one after that. It's uh, Tumbling uh, Down. Tumbling Down the Years has a nice drilling hole. So. Oh, got it. Yeah, I like, and out of the box, they he does this long, rambling introduction talking about how that song sort of came to be, which, which added a little bit of, I don't know, con- if there is any context. I, you know, it's, it's not a song I like to, to listen to. I'll just be completely honest. Compared to everything else on Marbles, I just think it completely pales. Um, so you're talking about you're talking about genie, not drilling holes, right? No, I'm sorry, I'm talking about drilling holes. Oh, okay. Did we skip to genie? I must have missed that. I, sorry, I you said. I thought you said out of the box, which I thought you were talking about genie. I'm, I wasn't quite following you. No, I did say out of the box, but I'm and I'm pretty sure out of the box is the video I'm thinking of where he gives oh, a oh, big description okay. of how um, drilling holes came to came to him, but. Uh, yeah, I have to go revisit that one. What What's funny for to listen to this? So, for so you know, Joe, you were talking about how even the 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 marbles songs themselves um, don't they're how they just fit so nicely. So, I've only ever owned the single CD version of of marbles so i've heard songs like ocean cloud because joe put them on mixtapes long (laughs) ago that was my original introduction to the songs of marbles because unlike joe i was sort of left with a bitter taste in my mouth from the whole (laughs) anarachnophobia experience so i absolutely refused to pre-order marbles and i it took me a very long time until i actually uh came around to getting the CD. So I had experienced some of the songs that Joe had put on mixtapes, but I have to say that the single CD version of Marbles has one of the best flows of any album that I've ever owned. The flow is unbelievable, and the the little Marble songs are totally key to those to the flow of the of the collection of songs there. Totally key. Yeah, you know, I've never owned the single CD version, but I'm looking at it right now, and I'm I'm sort of hearing it in my head, and I was thinking that as you were sort of explaining this, you know, trying to think of what that would be like, and that's, I mean, for a single CD, that, oddly enough, Drilling Holes is still there, but yeah. that's, a re- that's a really tight, tight CD. Um, I just don't know how you can wait for halfway through disc two to hear Angelina. Like, that is just forever. <laughs> well, everything that, that gets you there is is well worth the ride. Um, <laughs> it's very confusing to me to see that the order of songs. Uh, it's just hard for me to fathom that. And that's the funny part about Out of the Box, because I think they play Marbles from beginning to end in that concert. And... And I didn't even realize they were doing that the first time I watched the concert because I was like, oh, they're, they're playing these, you know, oh, they, it, it, I was like, oh, it seems like they were going in order. And then, oh, no, they weren't. And then I realized, oh, OK. Yeah, they were going in a different order. 
So, so something else, and I'm interested. I'm interested in Ken's opinion yeah. on this. So, you know, Joe, you were talking about the journey. You know, I think marbles is is one of the items of evidence in the world that we have that it is actually the destination that matters, not the journey. Um, but when I think about, you know, we talked about when we were talking about afraid of sunlight, we started talking about the, the experimentation of of musical parts. And I, I think part of it, we I don't know how I can't remember how much we focused on Stephen Rothery's part in this. But if you think about this strange engine radiation dot com and anarachnophobia there is a very there is a there is that arc of Stephen Rothery's guitar playing that is very different it it meanders away from the Rollin' jazz chorus arpeggiated songs and and style that we were so used to in Brave and everything before it and it really began to meander into you know we we've we had acoustic guitar strumming we had things that were really like actual almost like rock heavy heavy metal riffs in in some instances and when you get to marbles there is almost i don't think there is any of that arpeggiated type guitar work that we're used to hearing in you know in the in what i would call now the classic marillion those those first eight albums and and it's that that's a huge change I think in the overall sound, and it really works in Marbles. He he becomes this soulful sort of bluesy guitar player who's playing melodies as notes rather than arpeggiated chords that he's you know sort of picking. And Ken, I would really love to to know like your thoughts around that Stephen Rothery piece. You hit the nail on the head, but you may have left out a genre. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, um, I'm trying to think of if my, when did they do If My Heart Were a Ball? Uh, what year would that have been? That uh, was Arachnophobia, so that was 2001. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, 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 so when, when we talk about the phases or the genres of um, Stephen Rothery, it, you have the arpeggiated, and then he does get a little more rock and heavy metal, and you get that little funk era, kind of Rage Against the Ho Hogarth kind of a thingy going on that you have. <laughs> with like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Anarachnophobia, they kind of like... Yeah, we're just and and it, it, what was weird because we did that as you know friends and musicians, and we did it ten years earlier. And like, hey, it's two thousand. Maybe we should do that funk thing we've been delaying for a decade. <laughs> and <laughs> so, um, uh, it's even more pronounced that that Rothery becomes the soulful uh, voice. You know, that, that little violin in the back, yet guitar, um, you know, churning out those sweet melodies after he was doing a little, you know, chinka chinka funky style during that 
that previous album. So that, that, that that's that's what I noticed. You know. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's awesome. The um, so I ha- I I I really want to share the story of of my discovery of this of marbles, if you don't mind. The like Please. I said, Joe Joe pre-ordered the album, and at some point in time, I said, you know, I asked him how it was, and he told me that it was fantastic, and and I was like, how could this be, you know, <laughs> and. And we were still sending each other mixtapes frequently from, uh, you know, across the country. And he had put, like, I know that, like, I know that Ocean Cloud was something that was on um, the tape. And I know Fantastic Place. And I know that You're Gone was on it. And I don't remember whether Don't Hurt Yourself was or not. So I had a little sampling of what was there. And I really liked it, but I but it wasn't. It still didn't encourage me to ever go buy marbles. And it wasn't until we saw that show in two thousand and four, and we went and I and I saw them perform so many of the songs, and it, it, especially like the two that stand out in my mind the most of that night from Marbles were the Invisible Man. And Neverland, like I just remember the end of Neverland, and I was my mind was just like done. I was just it exploded, and I, literally like the next. I don't know if it was the next day because I don't remember what we did. If what, but by the end of that week, I had bought marbles, and um, and I was all in at that point in time. But it took forever for that to happen, and it made going to the the 2007 Marillion weekend that much sweeter because I, you know, I had, because I had known, know the album at that point in time when they played all those songs, I was just like, wow, it was, it was terrific. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny. The way I, you know, sort of approach things or, or whatnot. I have certain blind spots in in these sorts of things. So, like the the best example that illustrates this really is Awaken. I had had going to the one for years and didn't really get Awaken until they started playing it live, which was. When was that, Paul? Late nineties, early two thousands, when they started. It was the Union Tour. It was the first. It was the Union Tour. Okay. And and suddenly it was like, oh wow, this is a great piece of music. I can't say that Neverland really resonated with me as much as I liked the rest of the album until that show, and I will never ever forget. You know, like you said, the end of that that song, and I mean, literally, yeah, the brains melting coming out of the ears and everything else. I'm just like, oh my god! And ever since then, you know, I, I, you know, there are times when I'll just pop in the second disc and just play Neverland and nothing else, because what else do you need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but you know, so here again, you know, we go back to when this album came out and 
again, there's, there is no explanation for why I purchased it. There is none. There was no reason for me to do this. And it came and I put it in. And much like I described my very first Merlin experience that afternoon at Delaware when I bought Misplaced Childhood and, and the very opening of Pseudo Silk Kimono came on, same sort of thing happened here with Invisible Man because, again, I had no expectations for this at all. I mean, I was just like, okay, this album came, guess I'll throw it in. And Invisible Man comes out, and you're just like, holy crap, are you kidding me? And then it just went on from there. And it was, you know, I, I don't know. Like, so for me... Ocean Cloud was, was, you know, and that, that's why I wound up on that tape, Paul, because that was the first thing that really resonated with me. I just thought that was the greatest thing ever created. And mm. as I started to read up on the guy and, and, and figure out what the story was, I was just, I was even more impressed with the way they, they put it all together. But, you know, and, and I still love it, but, but for me... I guess what I'm trying to say is the best things on albums like this are the things that I usually find last for whatever reason. And Neverland fits into that. Hmm. But like Invisible Man and, and again, as I was sitting here planning for this episode and the whole theme is how perfect Marvels is and how inexplicably perfect it is. And so when you, you know, we already talked about the Marvel segments and like I said, it's amazing because those could have been so cheesy and distracting and yet somehow they're not. But Invisible Man, the way he builds that story um, and, and the, you know, the guy doesn't even know what's going on and as he's figuring it out and that whole thing where he's, he's standing in the middle of the road, I mean, the I still to this, when I was listening to it this time, I get tense listening to that. And I remember there again in the 2004 show, that was one of the things that just kind of like, oh, holy crap. And, and then, you know, much like Hogarth has been able to do is he takes us on this full emotional journey. Because after you build this tension and this guy figures out what's going on, then he has to sort of torture himself by following this woman around and seeing her trials and tribulations and not being able to help. And then at the end of it all, he's like, whatever you need, whatever you go through, I'm going to be here. There's sort of like that, that wonderful acceptance of the situation and how to make the best about it. I mean, it, it, that seven or eight minute song, whatever it is, it, it's really so well done in terms of where it takes you and what it communicates. And, and even right there, it's sort of like a, a microcosm of all of the best parts about Hogarth Marillion in, in my mind. Mm, mm. And then, you know, so you roll through, you get marbles one and that's wonderful. Genie. Oh. Dude, marbles one. Come on. So, like, one one quick thing, right? The Everything that you just said is, is spot on. 
and the, one of the weird things about the Invisible Man is is through all of this conversation over the last several hours of talking about Marillion, the one thing has become clear to me is Marillion is is one of the worst bands to try to listen to in your car while you're driving because of a lot of the production uh, issues that there are. If you're like me and you have cheap stereo in your car, the sure. um, however, Invisible Man is one of my favorite songs to drive to. It 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 is just. <laughs> great everything from the uh, the original like programmed beat to the bass to the vocals and the strange songs to the to the guitar work over the you know i've become the invisible man part in the beginning of the song and then when it goes into marbles one it's like it's this big dramatic ending and it just like leaves you like done and then marbles one just kind of lingers in and then as i lie in my bed there's a space in my head where there used to be colors and sound. It's just like, oh my gosh. It's like they open the door to the rest of the album with that with that one line. Uh, it's it's great. It's great. It, I, I, yeah, it's, it's inexplicable. Genie, you, you know, I I don't have anything exceptional to say about Genie either way. I enjoy it. I I think it's you know. Uh, a wonderful little thing. I can't even think of anything off the top of my head that that is going to um, you know inspire me one way or the other. But fantastic place. That was one of those things where it, that was one of those songs where it took me a a little bit to get it, and once I figured it out, it just sort of resonated with me. And I remember you know at, at after that, I was like, "I'm sold. This is this is great." Mm. Um, then we go into the only unforgivable thing, Marbles Two, and then Ocean Cloud, which finishes up the first disc. Um, which is, you know, that's that's a pretty solid, uh, you know, solid. What is it? 45, 50 minutes of your life. You know, nothing wow. wrong there. Yeah. And then so you throw in you throw in disc two, and you roll into Marbles Three. Um. And damage, which we had heard, did we? Which song had we heard before? Because I don't know if you remember leading up to this. Was it leading up to this? There was there was a single that they released somehow, and it was it was either I think it was damage. It was either damage or don't hurt yourself. One of those two songs we had heard before. And damage is kind of weird. Yeah, I think you put damage on one um, of those mixtapes, actually, which is which is where I, yeah, yeah. So so damage is you know, I I think in the second disc is when they started to you know, I, I they didn't start. I'm sure they didn't record them in this in this order, but you know this is where they started to sort of explore some other things. And if you actually look. I don't know if you guys have taken the time to read sort of the the about us section of Marillion.com now. It is freaking hilarious. The way they describe their music is just precious. Paul, <laughs> I hope you're pulling it up. Read it. Read it. I, I just happen to have a uh, yeah it up, so I'm going to take a look. So, you know. You know, I, I I view this as, you know, now Hogarth is trying all of his vocal tricks. So Damage, he's going to scream at us. Don't hurt yourself. He's got that sort of sliding in and out of the falsetto thing. Um, <laughs> and then, um, 
you know, by the time he gets to Angelina, he's he's doing something else altogether, and, and you know, it's just I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with all of this, other than to say that all of this, it's, you know, the this this too is a lot more varied in terms of of styles and what they're doing, but it's all just so good. And like I said, when I when I was listening through it, and Ken, maybe we can debate this a, a little bit more. I was on a complete high up until drilling holes, and then I just kind of like unplugged for a couple minutes and you know waited for <laughs> Neverland. <laughs> to come on and I was I, I was I was amazed I'm like look I've been listening to all this music and it's all great ah. yeah that drilling holes thing was was very recent for me and it, it was definitely tumbling down the years I just happened to like the version on there it, it, it it's much more convincing than the album version um well- and, and you know, th- throughout this process, uh, I I haven't heard the double album. I, I was curious to know if if I own it because I, I had been picking up things uh, used whenever I could. I would grab anything used, Marillion, whenever possible. Um, uh, my my when I. I and I don't actually listen to Marbles. Like I will um, listen to Invisible Man like three times in a row. <laughs> I'll just keep it in the back. I'm that guy. I'm that simple in my head that I don't care. Just keep playing it over and over. And I've done that with um, Neverland. Um, I can't believe how much I've I've come to like the bass line and Don't Hurt Yourself. It, oh, it just moves. It's got that kind of rotating... It, it 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 breathes, but it never stops. Kind of a feel, and 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 um, you know, I, it, it, there are so many Merlion songs that maybe don't get me, but I am right there with Chuevas, no matter what the other guys are doing, because he 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 can just he can just pull the best out of a chord progression, and, and don't hurt yourself is definitely one of those. Um, yeah, I think the guitar strummy stuff doesn't always pump me up and you know tempo's a little slow but if i just focus on the bass man don't hurt yourself just takes me where i need to be nice yeah 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 and i i do appreciate you know the marbles bits the way that you guys do but (laughs) i never listen straight through i'm i jump around and i repeat it's crazy it's crazy so this I, I love that you're saying that, Ken, because I, I'm I'm sitting here. I was listening to this album, thinking this is this album has the greatest flow of any album I own. It's amazing. Like I can listen it to front to back over and over again, and it just it takes you up, it brings you down, it makes you laugh, it makes you cry, like it everything. It's it's and it's so funny, like the you know the way you're like, oh yeah, I like listen to this song and that song and this song. <laughs> The, the the funny you know so for me it's the single ver- cd version and you know like i was saying the end of marble one marbles one it's like it opens the door and it starts in with that beat of you are gone and talk about you know a baseline that breathes but never stops like the baseline and you're gone is is killer yeah and yeah yeah and Yep. And like the Ebo guitar work that's happening in the background. And it's one of my favorite Marillion songs to try to sing to. Um, it's just, 
it's terrific. And then it goes into the soulful and bluesy Angelina. And there's the little nonsense in the beginning with the radio dial in the car. And that's fine. But it really yeah. kind of allows, it allows the album to breathe. Like when you're listening to it from, you know, track one to 11, like you need that little space in there to kind of get you going. Um, Marbles 2, again, is just like, it's just this like two minute sample of brilliance. And then right into, you know, Don't Hurt Yourself, which, uh, you know, I remember listening to it, you know, when the first time I heard it, it was like this, just the strumming guitar at the beginning. And I'm like, this is so weird. This isn't the Marillion song. Like, it's just different. And and it just it all comes together. And again, and it's another it's another vocal line that to me is is so much fun to try to sing along to. And and um, yeah, it. The, the, that flow, it, that's why it's so funny to me to think about like ending Marbles 1 and not go into You're Gone or not to hear Angelina <laughs> until like, an hour later. It's just so strange. <laughs> um, I think Fantastic Place, for whatever reason, where is that? Um, oh, right after Don't Hurt Yourself. Yeah, I find I find the tempo of Fantastic Place is too slow for being after Don't Hurt Yourself. Mm. I would move that somewhere. Probably probably just switch those two songs. I don't know. And then and then I'd be more inclined to listen straight through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um Fantastic Place is is, you know, that song. I can't say that I've ever truly understood the lyrics to that song. Although they're quite beautiful in parts, but but the um, you know the bridge that leads to the solo in that song is is just yes <laughs> yeah well and for me you know one of the things I like about Fantastic Place and so this was two thousand. So I, I, I'm fairly certain I was starting to realize that I, I had some unhappiness brewing in my life. And the thing with Fantastic Place is, as, as I hear it, there are these two people and... You know, this this island adventure happened at some point in their life. And whatever goes on in what I'll call real life, they have this, this memory, this experience that they had together. Or maybe he just has this experience that he had somewhere else that helps him deal with his real life. And for me, at that point in where I was and what I was just starting to deal with, is is why that resonates with me so much because you know it it sort of it gave me the idea that you know there are ways to sort of deal with with everyday life when maybe you don't always want to and um not that i necessarily had a fantastic place myself but i had the thought that you know maybe someday i could have a fantastic place <laughs> i've seen the brochure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, 
still looking for my fantastic place. Um, tried a bunch of things. <laughs> it hasn't quite worked out yet, but, you know, I, I, I still have the brochure, and I know that I will find it eventually, and that's a good thing. I think it's funny going back to, to drilling holes, and, mm -hmm. and Ken, you're talking about you didn't get it until um, tumbling down the years. So here again, we were faced with another example of, of a Marillion song that, for whatever reason, perhaps doesn't translate well in the studio recording, whereas it, it maybe has, you know, much better translation in, in a live setting, which, you know, they did that. We talked about that with the, the sort of early middle section of Brave um, that, you know, I never really got on the studio record. And it wasn't until I saw it live and I was like, oh, okay. So it, it's, it's interesting that they, that they, you know, this sort of pops up again. Um, because it, a lot of times in a lot of bands, you know, honestly, you know, we've gone to a lot of live shows. And more often than not, I, I find a lot of live shows to be disappointing. Because, you know, by the time you're five songs in... Whoever's sitting at the soundboard has just jammed everything up, you know, as loud as it can go. And you've got, you know, these, you know, if, if you're in a, a bad venue and you got all these, you know, weird echoey crap going on and everything else. And it's just, you know, it's it's never, it's, it's rarely as enjoyable. Marillion and Yes are two notable exceptions to that. Um, and and here we have a case where in certain in certain instances you know there there are things about the live performance that's better than the studio version which is a little unusual yeah true 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 i'm tempted to read the uh the set list from that uh 2004 show just to get responses um do it yeah yeah they, they opened with the invisible man uh and of course True to the American release, Marbles 1, You're Gone, Angelina, Marbles 2, Don't Hurt Yourself, Fantastic Place, Marbles 3, Drilling Holes, Marbles 4, Neverland, and then there is uh, some chatty stuff and a break. It's very interesting. Uh, uh, then they go into Bridge. Uh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that <laughs> moment of the show, too, when they started that, yeah. I think I needed to change my pants at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, living with the big lie, you know, merges nicely there. Um, and then surprisingly, is a really rough version of Rich, which I didn't know at the time. And he's uh. like, you know, encouraging everyone to sing along with him. And I didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Rich did not make it on thesalvage.com, did it? Um, I'm afraid it did not. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> much, much to my dismay. Much to my dismay. I, I wanted it to. But yeah. let me make sure. Yeah, no, Rich did not make it. I wish it had. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's a rough song to pull off live. I don't know how often they, they, they do it. Uh, it, it was it was just odd to me. I, I um, 
but Go I was familiar with, and then they followed up with Go, so I was back to my element. Um, I don't know much about Way Over Yonder. Anybody want to comment? Don't even know what that is. I think that's like an Irish okay. song, like that Scottish song, something. Uh, or I'm, or uh, I'm completely it, wrong, which is most likely the case. And actually, some of this, it's three minutes and 21 seconds. Some of the names um, aren't necessarily even music. Like, at the very end, they have the long wait. But that's waiting for Easter <laughs> to happen. Uh -huh. um, well, that's yeah, worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's worth it. Um, Three-Minute Boy, well, I've heard you guys talk about, and it hasn't clicked with me. Um, do, you, do you remember that from 2004? I don't remember that I, from 2004, actually. I do. I do remember that from, and I think that was, that was one of those moments where, like, I always liked that song, but, you know, I didn't really like Radiation too much, and that sort of solidified. When I heard them play it, I was like, okay, they really like this song, too. Like, they, <laughs> they actually like their own music, you know, even though most of it is not really great right now. Um... <laughs> So I, I, yeah, I, and, and they play, they played that when we saw them this last go round, and I thought it was pretty awesome. Cool. See, I remember Three Minute Boy from, from Holland. I want to say they did it then, because that's, that's where I remember it live. From, yeah. Not from yeah. 04. Okay. Okay. Um, then Between You and Me was after that. Classic. Yeah. Um, I know that I was, Happy to hear waiting to happen. Um, you know, it, it, for, 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 for H to do that so late in the set, it, it, it's, it's a little rough, uh, but, but great nonetheless. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's a very, very sustained vocal part. Yeah. Uh, takes, take, 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 takes a lot of oomph to do that one. Um, then, then they go into the damage, which I wasn't familiar with whatsoever. Um, Joe, I guess m maybe that would have rang with you hearing that live. Yeah. I've got kind of a strange relationship with Damage, so I, I kind of doubt that it did, but who knows. And I'm <laughs> sure it... I'm, I'm, sh I'm, I'm sure, you know, as... as... as Gravelly as as Hogarth tries to sing that, and as as much as intellectually it would probably make sense to do that at the end of the set when his voice was probably three quarters shot anyway, I have a sneaking suspicion that that probably isn't the best time to do that song, and it probably didn't translate terribly well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh. The Great Escape is after that. So there's some kind of a theme here with uh, Brave bookends where they've got, you know, Bridge living with the big lie and then somehow yeah. getting to The Great Escape. Um, and I'm not I, sure I remember I, The Great Escape. Anytime that is performed live, I just lose my, my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, then it's kind of like, like just, just, let it all go nasty and it, it's cover my eyes and uh, <laughs> I, 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 I maintain that How do you go from the greatest game to cover my eyes. I, I know, <laughs> I know, but, right. but um, 
one of the worst climates in the world for vocalists has got to be Philadelphia. And, you know, <laughs> just the humidity and the, the one season and the dryness in the next season. And, 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 and in this live download, you can hear Philadelphian voices try to do the backups and cover my eyes. It's just, it's just you know, it's just a little sad. Um, but that's when I came to love the song. So, you know, uh, and personally, at least, at least the melodies will be with me forever. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and they, 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 they wrap it up with Easter. There's a really funny line in, in, in the middle of the last half of the set where he tells some dude to stop screaming Easter. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh. So yeah, it, 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 it's it's not a bad one. And then, um, uh, uh, of course, on, on my list uh, next is I want to check out. Uh, I, I was so impressed with the the pristine quality of Hogarth's voice when we were in Glenside, and I'm hoping that the download is pretty much the same as what I experienced live. We will have to see. Now, an interesting thing that I've always threatened to do and never did partially because I suspect it won't translate well and I'm curious if either of you have ever done this is to just play the marbles bits back to back to back I've no? I've never done Anyone that ever thought about it I thought about it you but you know I at one point one point in time, I did the 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 four Rush songs that comprise the 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 collection of Fear. songs of the poetry Fear, and yeah. it really it really wasn't that great. So I, <laughs> maybe that. Um, well, and and I suspect the same thing would happen here. I think I think if you take them out of that context and try to mash them together, it 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 I suspect it wouldn't work. But I've never done it, so I don't know. It, you know, it's Ken. You should try this because because if you just listen to one of them over and over again, it's only two minutes long. So you could, <laughs> the um, it's so it's so funny because I see them as such as such transitional songs to get from one place of the album to the next. I don't know that I've ever even considered them on their own. You know, for for real. I mean, I thought about it. Yeah, we should try yeah. that, but but they're just so perfectly in between the the they're like filler songs to get you from one place to the to the next. I love them. I think we need to talk about Neverland just a little bit. Yeah, we probably should talk about Neverland. Go for it, Paul. The floor well, is yours. I just have to just talk about the ending of Neverland because the um, you know when it just gets to that part with the guitar solo and and the Wendy and and like I I can't even talk about it because in live he was doing like this kind of stuff you know and it's it it it's just. And the, the, the keyboard, like doing the big, you know, arpeggio um, delay effects, like it is so, I hate, to, I hate to use a word like psychedelic, but that's what it's like. It's psychedelic and it's, it's so 
incredible and just like it just washes over you and really not knowing that song and watching it live and having all of that happen like right before my eyes and, and the and the artistry and and you know stagecraft if you will of of h was was just remarkable and you know it, it is like the the evolution of Stephen Rothery and all of these rich, deep keyboards um, really coming full circle for me. And so just the end of it is is just remarkable. And then, you know, some of the, uh, like some of, the, some of the lines, and it's like the simplest lines for me that just, you know, like killed me. Just simply like at times like these, any fool can see your love inside me. It just like, it's, it's so the, simple, but just cuts just, right, right to the heart, you know? Well, and, and I think, I think Neverland really does, you know, if, if Invisible Man was a perfect example of Hogarth Marillion, then the Neverland bookends that in much the same way. But and I think as you pointed out here, Paul, in, in a much more straightforward way, Whereas Invisible Man, there are twists and turns, and you're going here and there. How do I express this? Neverland is just right in your face. This is a wonderful thing. Deal with it. <laughs> and, and, and and the music just takes you there. And you're, I mean, you can't you can't not feel that. And and there's there's no there's no other side of it. There's no ulterior motive. There, it's just this is the good stuff, and I think it's spectacular. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I so so you know, and and I hadn't really thought of it that way until just now. I mean, because again, I just I, I have this this ir almost irrational love affair with this album. And, and I like so much about it, and I think it, it sounds good top to bottom. But, but really, the, the way it's, it's boxed in by those two songs is perhaps even more incredible than the album itself. I, you know, I, I can only imagine what those guys felt like when they got done mixing this album. You know, and uh, imagine what that, that sense of accomplishment going fuck we got that one right you know yeah wow you both hit what i was going to say um uh only original thing i can add is just the major minor rotation um you know we, the, the progression cycle through when they keep doing the same things over to go over again obviously but it, 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 the chords are stretched out so long and uh, the, the, the top of the one progression starts minor but but leans major and leaves you with such the, the happier majory optimistic feel so there's so much mystique and darkness and as as you mentioned Joe you know uh, as your son said, there's a sinister 
theme in your favorite bands. And the sinister theme is there. It's a fairy tale. It's Captain Hook. It's Peter Pan. Of course it's sinister. And it's going to hit with that really dark chord. And it's going to take you to somewhere absolutely beautiful not long after that. And you're going to keep cycling there. And it's, there's nothing boring about it. Like, I, 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 I can't even, you know, articulate the, you know, the one, four, five numbers of the chords because they're too good for that. They just, just cycle in an original way and keep you uh, energized. They keep me energized, and clearly you guys too. Um, that, that I just compositionally. So, Joe, you, you, you called upon the, when they hit the final mix, did they know they have it? And probably just in front of the piano, they knew they had it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but but I'm just thinking, you know, as as you're recording, let let's let's imagine the feeling as they're mixing down dot com versus marbles. Oh, you know, <laughs> that has to be a different feeling for the band because it's not like you know. You know, the the previous four albums, we debated, you know, oh, here's a good song, here's two or three from this one, you know, and some other things that, you know, are whatever, and maybe some guy loves it and another guy doesn't. I have to imagine that the entire band, you know, as good as this album is, the entire band had to feel that. It's got to be different. From a dot com or a radiation, it has to be. Even anorectophobia, which I'm sure they are, you know, emotionally attached to, and it was their their emancipation album, and you know how wonderful. I mean, it it couldn't feel like this. I, I just can't believe that it did. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and and. You know, it it also was the culmination of all of this work that they did with their fans and having it funded by them. And you know, they tried it once with anarachnophobia, and and you know, this I think they really had just let go of everything and just did what was right to them. And at least that's what I fantasize about because um, you know, it is it, it's it's a remarkable, remarkable album. Well, well, Paul, maybe we had we had. You know Hogarth's um, relaxing time in the Caribbean on uh, your dime that right. allowed to get into a good place to make this record that I then purchased. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I I didn't get my name in the in the liner notes of this one though. Yeah, I have to too funny. I'll have to take a picture of that and and like put it up on the website or something. It's a little zotter. Hello, little zotter. Hmm. Uh, yeah, a quick little, right. sh- uh, a quick little shout out for uh, 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 Pete's little triplet bass stuff going on. Just, 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 uh, 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 Merlion, as as beautiful and as unified as the band is, there's still a little bit of that um, show offy stuff that I just absolutely love. But that 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 rhythm that keeps coming up in between Ian and Pete. Uh, that, that, that's what's in my head right now, thinking about uh, Neverland. So, and, you know, that, that brings up something now. So we're in 2004, and um, 
Hogarth joined the band in 1989, right? So if I can do my math, that's that's have they been together that long? I'm looking at the grid on Wikipedia. Um, oh, yeah. Pete and Ian had been together since 84. 84. So that's 20 full years. They've been playing together 20 years at this point. 20 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah, man. If you can't find the pocket in 20 years, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I would imagine, you know, they're at this point, you know, and this is interesting because, you know, at, at this point, the band members were getting sort of into that age where, and, and it's fascinating. Carter was explaining this to me. I guess he's, he's taking a psychology class and they're filling his head with all sorts of interesting stuff. And one of those things is, I guess there are physiological changes in body chemistry that occur as you get older. And so according to Carter, there's, there's a specific reason why younger people are more artistically expressive in terms of, of music, art, poetry, things like that, than you know those of us in our in our middle age. Um, but at the same time, you have, you know, in a case like Marillion, you've got this sort of balancing out of extreme knowledge of each other as musicians, and you know, you know what works and 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 how things are going to fit together. And, and they've all sort of come through that together and they had the whole big deal with, like I said, you know, I, I said the emancipation, but, you know, for, for a band like Marillion going into your, your 40s or 50s or whatever they were at that point and, and having sort of discovered a way to maintain doing what you're doing, that's, that had to sort of help. And and now they so they've they've sort of taken care of everything. They they've made the angry young man music. They played as many notes as they could, and they you know went beyond that. And they tried to figure out a couple things, and 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 now they're in a place where they know they're going to be taken care of financially. They have the ability to do what it is they want to do, and they know that this fervent group of people who have been paying their way are going to give them the leash to do what they want to do. And so maybe that's how Marbles came about because now they had, they were in sort of a, 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 a wonderfully balanced point of having the experience, having the security they need, um, and, and while they may have lost some of that sort of raw creative energy that you have when you're 20, 
it, it was balanced out by some of these other things and the ability to sort of start to say, we can be whatever we want now. And and like I said, when when I look at at marbles, it, it really does sit at a fulcrum but between, you know, all that was Marillion before and the what became Marillion after. I think it never occurred to me at the time and it really didn't occur to me up until three weeks ago when I started listening to Happiness and somewhere else and and when I first bought Sounds That Can't Be Made. But Marbles points very clearly towards that while still bridging what they were. So maybe maybe that's the magic. Maybe that's how, how Marillion came out when no one thought it should have. Wow. And that was just off the top of my head. So, what 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 are these that benefits that come as we get older? Well, for Marillion, it's it's the familiarity with each other and this security provided by us paying their way. Got it. So, yeah. So so they don't have to worry about making an album that's going to sell gobs and gobs of copies so that the record company will keep paying them. They're in a position now where they know we're going to buy whatever they put out. We're, you know, they don't have to kowtow to anyone. And and it really goes back to, and like I said, I'm, I'm embarrassed the way that I railed against them back in 2001 for doing what turned out to be a genius move. Absolutely genius, and you know, it it it's now allowed them to continue doing what they're doing, and you know, my feelings on what they've been doing post marbles has softened an awful lot in the course of the listen. But but I think you know, so so as I was putting this theory together, those were sort of the the benefits that they have that sort of offset um you know maybe being a little bit older you know think if you want to make a sports analogy think about you know the the savvy mid you know mid to late 30s um you know pitcher who maybe he can't throw as fast as as a as a 20 year old but he's got more control over his pitches and can work you know maybe some aspects of the game better than someone who hasn't learned how to do that. I mean, oh, clearly. Brilliant. Yep. Clearly yep. these guys are, uh, are, are I, I, Hopefully. Hopefully that carries to um, albums after this as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it, I, and, and we'll get there. And, and I, I mean, you guys tell me if you want to put a pin in this and, and come back to the other albums later if you want to yes. roll on through. But <laughs> what what I've just my my feeling is the albums after are a different beast. It's at this point it's not your father's Marillion anymore. And it's not bad. There are certain oddities about it. Um, but I 
I found myself much more open-minded to what they were doing, and I found myself enjoying We certainly thank you for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. Progressive Palaver is available on both iTunes and Google Play. And if you have some feedback you'd like to provide us, if you agree with what we've said, if you disagree with what we've said, we would certainly like to hear from you. We are available on Facebook as Progressive Palaver, as well as Instagram, also Progressive Palaver. And if you care to email, if you've got a lot of different thoughts, please do so. Our email is progpala, P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. We certainly look forward to hearing from you. And uh, look forward to the next episode where we will discuss the next three albums in the Marillion catalog. Somewhere else, happiness is the road and sounds that can't be made.